Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of The Doggy Pod is brought to you by Advanced Pet Foods, experts in pet nutrition. It's that time of the week. It's Doggy Pod time. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Doggy Pod podcast. I'm producer Stephen Peters and I'm here with this bloke who tells me he's a vet. His name's Dr. Rob Zammett. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I hope so because I've got to talk about pancreatitis in dogs. I mean, what is it and how common is it? Yeah, exactly. I want to know what that is. And we'll also talk about the hairiest dog breed in the world. Do you know what it is? I don't. In my top five this week, I'm going to give you the top five dog breeds that are easiest to train. Excellent, excellent. Anyway, let's kick off the episode as always with a tale from the vet front line. What's happened in the clinic this week, Rob? Worms. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about worms. You'd be, you'd be always having worms. Yeah, not you personally, of no, course. No. Am I scratching my bottom? I hope not. <laughs> I'm not. Looking. So now we're seeing uh, an increase in worms. Um, what, what? Any particular type? Roundworms and hookworm are the main ones, right. which are worms that get into the dog's intestines and suck blood from the dog and cause diarrhea. Can even cause blockages in the intestines when they get very bad and it came to light because of this little puppy someone bought from a, a reputable dog breeder um, but the pup came in it was sick and I'm looking at it I did a test and wow worm eggs right through it so I rang the dog breeder up and said well, it can't be I, I've been using and I said oh yes I know you've been using X product and he said how did you know I said because that product's failing at the moment not all dog products are created equal. Now, they, it was one of the top um, products mm. when I was a student and for many years afterwards. You know, probably uh, some, I've been a vet now for well over 40 years, but about 20 odd years ago, I stopped using this product because I noticed it was failing. Now it's failing very badly. So, for some reason, the worms seem to have developed a resistance to this product. And that's happened before in other areas of 
worms and, and different products are used that it happens very commonly for some reason in goats. They, their worms develop resistance. So we know in dogs it can happen too and it has happened. So be a bit aware. You might want to add that to the annual health check of your dog. Take along some yes poo, some droppings, and the vet can test them to see if your dog has worms or not to make sure that your program is effective. Because saying, I oh, know I worm my dogs all the time, sure, but how do you know it's working? You see, the problem is with, with worms in puppies, we start worming them somewhere between one to two weeks of age because they get worm larvae while they're inside the mother as a fetus. The worm larvae oh. go from the uterus of the mother into the uh, cord, blood, and straight into the puppy. And they sit there ready to develop within one to two weeks of the puppy's birth. Now, you may say, oh, yeah, but I worm the mother. You cannot get rid of those larvae. No matter how much you worm the mother, those larvae in her uterus are always there. So you've got to get rid of those as they come through. The other lot of worms, would you believe, Stephen, unfortunately, from drinking mother's milk. In the muscles of the mammary glands, the larvae can sit there for years. And they become mobilized when lactation occurs, go straight into the puppy, and again, from drinking the mother's milk, which is very natural, the puppy can develop worms. So pups have to be wormed regularly by dog breeders, and they have to talk to their vet about the best worm to use, uh, and or take along some droppings to make sure that they are clearing the worms. If, if you were worried, and you were so inclined, could you check your own dog's droppings yourself? No. No, no, you won't no, see them? No, no, you won't see them. You won't see oh, the worms because okay. the worms are inside. What the vets look for are the eggs, the oocytes oh, or eggs. Okay, right. So they do a special um, test with the poo, unfortunately. You have to mix it with liquid and all sorts right, of things. And okay. the eggs float A little, to a little the top. poo cocktail. It is. You do make that. And then you put a glass slide on top or a cover, what's called a cover slip, and the worm eggs stick to that, and then you look under the microscope. You need a microscope to see the eggs. And that's what you see. If you see worms in the poo from the puppy, then the puppy must have a very heavy burden, extremely heavy right, burden. Okay. The other problem is that when you do worm, you kill you know, with a good product, you kill the adults in the intestine. But the larvae, which are developing inside the dog's body, which can be in the lungs or in the liver, believe it or not, some pretty awful areas, mm. those larvae you can't kill. And so the worm product goes out, the next lot of larvae come in, and within a week or two, you've got more worms. Mm. So the life cycle of the worm, too, from you know, ingestion to developing worm, is very short, three weeks for round worm and hookworm. What are the telltale signs that your dog may have worms? Pale gums, very often. Uh, a pot belly. You see these real pot little bellies mm -hmm. uh, very commonly because of fluid there. They're lethargic. Diarrhea, of course, can develop. Uh, hemorrhage uh, from the bowel because the diarrhea gets so bad, that's even possible. The anemia gets so bad that it becomes life-threatening. You know, the anemia is lack of red blood cells in your body, and that can they can drop to ridiculously low levels that can kill the puppy. So these are the things that you've got to look for. Of course, a dull coat is also a sign of worms. And don't forget the old-fashioned one when they put their bottoms on the ground and rub their Go for bottoms. a little yeah. run around the floor, Scooting, yes. it's called scooting. That can be a sign of worms, but it can also be a sign of anal glands. You know, the anal glands need to be expressed. Either way, it's a trip to the vet if your dog starts Well, they scooting. just like rubbing their bum on the ground. Or just know. that, but then it's probably dermatitis. Still get to the vets. <laughs>
So worms in dogs, they because we're seeing more water around now, we've, the drought's well and truly broken. The uh, water in the ground will help egg larvae, e- eggs to hatch and the larvae to develop. And we're seeing many, many more cases of worms in dogs. Be careful. So, Rob, I keep hearing about, uh, oddly enough, pancreatitis in dogs. And uh, it seems, I don't know if it's more common or not, or I just keep hearing about it. Um, I just want to know what it is and, and should we be concerned? I think it has become more common, and that's probably a reflection of some of the things that we do with incorrect diets in dogs. Right. Now, but, pa- what, but what is it first? What is pancreatitis? All right, the pancreas is a sort of a very pale pinkish organ that sits next to the small intestine, the start of the small intestine called the duodenum. The pancreas has two functions. One, it produces a hormone called insulin. Insulin you've all heard of because it regulates your blood sugar. Mm. If you don't produce enough insulin because your pancreas has suffered too much for some reason, you become a diabetic. You You don't produce enough insulin. Insulin opens the gate of cells and allows sugar to go from your bloodstream into the cell. So it feeds the cell. If you don't have insulin, the cells are not getting fed the glucose that they need and you, be, you know, they start saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, and your body eats more food trying to do that, but your blood sugar is through the roof and you're in trouble. The other hormones that they produce are those for digestion. <clears throat> they secrete hormones into the intestinal tract, which helps you digest your food. Those hormones break down a lot of proteins and things and helps you absorb the food properly. Without those hormones, you become what's called pancreatic insufficient, and you end up with diarrhea because you cannot digest your food. You cannot break down those foods. So it's a very important organ. We know, too, pancreas you know, is so important. If you get cancer of the pancreas, it's a very, very bad type of cancer. So many people have died of pancreatic cancer. Mm. Uh, but the other thing that can happen to the pancreas, it can become inflamed. Like any part of your body, the pancreas can become inflamed and that's called pancreatitis, inflammation of the pancreas. And when it's inflamed inside your abdomen, inside your tummy, you hunch up, you've got pain there, and some people even see some degree of distension or bloating of the, of the tummy, of the abdomen, and they worry about bloat. So these are symptoms for dogs or for humans? Well, both. Right. Diarrhea is a common symptom, weakness and lethargy, of course, no appetite, fever, you become dehydrated very, very quickly um, and you may start vomiting as well because of inflammation of the pancreas or pancreatitis. What causes it? They're not sure, but they know one thing. High-fat diets in dogs will cause pancreatitis. Mm. Obesity in dogs can cause pancreatitis. Low thyroid, they say, can lead to, to pancreatitis. Certain drugs, drug therapy that the vet might even prescribe can still lead to pancreatitis. And then there's, of course, the old genetic predisposition. Yeah. Um, It's believed to be more common in miniature schnauzers than any other breed of dog. But having said that, I've seen pancreatitis in every breed of dog. So if you see the symptoms, you've got to get to the vet quickly. Is it dangerous? My very word it is. It can kill you. 
Um, and be careful with some of the human foods that we give dogs. And we have this thing, oh, I'm eating this, my dog's there, and he's saying scraps. he wants some. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of the scraps, because of the fat content or the in- incorrect balance of salts and sugars, can lead to pancreatitis. You know, we had a case not that long ago. Guess what the dog was being fed? Pizza. Well, oh, pizza is they nice. don't hunt many pizzas in the <laughs> wild, I'm telling you, folks. So stick to a good quality dog food. Because people do think that dogs eat anything and they're pretty robust. And oh, well, look, I see it all the time. Oh, yeah. we feed our dogs raw chicken, have for years, we never have any problems. You will. Yeah. You, yeah. you do stupid things that, like that long enough and you will. Mm. Okay. So what if your dog does have... Well, your vet, get to the vet. The vet needs a good history to know what you've been feeding. He will do a physical examination, but he needs that history from you, know what your dog's been up to. He'll do blood testing, he'll x-ray and ultrasound your dog. And there's no specific treatment. There's no, like, we'll give this drug and it stops the pancreatitis. It may not stop. Your mm. dog may die. Or he may end up with chronic pancreatitis, which means they keep giving it on and off throughout their life. The dog will go into hospital, go into a fluid drip. They'll have nil by mouth for a few days. They'll have intravenous antibiotics for secondary bacterial infection. And they'll give something to control the temperature, but they've got to be very careful how they do all those things. It's a real tight balance for your vet. Your vet's really working hard to get your dog through pancreatitis. And, uh, you know, don't don't abuse the veterinary surgeon or his staff or anything because your dog's not getting better. It's the disease. It's a dreadful, dreadful disease. And your vet will be doing the best they can to get your dog over it. Once your dog's over it, then you've got to be very careful. No fat diet. Uh, Keep it low. Be advised by your vet what you can feed your dog, what you can't. Don't keep going on about all the, yeah, oh, I'd like to feed my dog natural this, natural that. Listen to your veterinarian and uh, look at it. There's some very good products on the market for pancreatitis. So think about what you feed your dog to avoid pancreatitis. Now, if you're listening to the Doggy Pod, you probably do own a dog. But have you ever wondered, is it the right dog for you, for your family? I mean, you love the dog. And if you don't have a dog, then what breed might suit you? You, know, do you? Does it suit your lifestyle? What size? What kind of personality? A long coat or a short coat? Well, all of you should come along to the Sydney Royal Dog Show. It's part of the Royal Easter Show in Homebush, and it's on from April 1st to April 12th. You can hug, sit, chat, and take a selfie. Hang out with the beautiful canines at the advanced bark park i love that i do love the sound of bark park i wonder uh, if it's going to if there's going to be wait. lots of barking going i will sure. be there it's situated right alongside the dog show rings so you can see it it'll be there every day even better if you already have a dog you can ask the team of experts any questions about training feeding raising a puppy to be a perfect canine friend and, Stephen, as if that wasn't enough, guess what? I, th- I know what you're going to say. Yep, giveaways, daily giveaways yeah. too. So love free stuff. Yes, yeah. and who doesn't like free stuff? So for <laughs> all your Doggy Pod listeners, please get over there to the Royal Easter Dog Show. It'll be well worth the trip. And you might even see Dr. Rob, who's going to be hanging around the, the Royal Easter Show for most of the time. I I'll believe. be there very often. He'll just be wandering aimlessly around. If you do see me, come up and say hello. Now, Rob, I know you're a big Old English sheepdog fan and breeder mm-hmm. and love them to bits, um, but 
you'd be surprised to know, well, you won't be, but our listeners might be, but they're not the hairiest dog breed in the world. So what is the hairiest dog breed in the world? And then how the hell do you groom a dog with that much hair? What is it anyway? Well, if you Google it, you'll find it's the... I don't know, because they all have different breeds on Google sites. <laughs> well, never but, trust Google. And, and in fact, they're often incorrect. <laughs> like They'll often say, oh, it's the bearded collie that has... A lot of coat, but it t- it, the standard for the bearded collie says it mustn't be excessive um, compared to an old English sheepdog. The old English sheepdog is probably the only standard that says profuse coat with a big double coat, and the, the undercoat should be very thick and, and not stripped out. So in that case, I disagree with Google again. Um, <laughs> Dr. Google got it wrong. Well, what do you know? So the, which one is the hairiest breed? Uh, one of the breeds that comes to mind is the Hungarian Puli, a oh, very yeah. hairy dog. Mm. With you have to you know, plait them and, and make cords out of them, so they have all the cords. I guess if that's the hairiest breed, well, what about the Commodore? The Commodore has the exact same hair, but it's about ten times the size of a, a Hungarian Commodore. Puli. Yes, the Commodore. Where, where are they Hungarian from? Hungarian Commodore. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they 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 also have very yeah, a lot of hair. So is that one that, that comes to mind? The Afghan with its beautiful long hair. Oh, yes. But down the middle, of, on, the, on the top of the Afghan, there isn't much hair around the face. So that's certainly up there in one of the hairiest breeds. The, and the list goes on of a lot of hairy dogs. You know, just the, the wire-haired fox terrier. Lots of hair. Lots and lots of hair on a wire-haired fox terrier, as is the Airedale. But for me, I think probably you know, the husky has hair. They've all got lots of it. For me, the one that you can never wear black if you own one because it'll be all over you. One of the hairiest dogs. Then it just keeps producing hair and you brush it all out. <laughs> but it's a beautiful hearted dog, just a gorgeous soft heart. The only one that has a standard friendly to all mankind, it says in the breed standard, the Samoid. Oh yeah, beautiful dogs. They're white all over. So, so not long hair though, but not thick long, hair. but very thick and lots of it. Real, mm. real luxurious hair. Just plenty of it. When they come to visit me, I always sit them on my lap and they walk away, and I'm covered in white dog hair. <laughs> but if you were going to um, bring it in or, or get its regular haircut, that would take some time and quite specialised work. I would have. Thought. Well, yeah, if you're going to keep them trimmed off, you know, the hair trimmed summer, right off, you know. it makes life a lot easier for you in the house and mm. the vacuum cleaned a lot less. Yeah, not not such a problem. Not such a problem. So any of these dogs. Yep, Hungarian pulleys often trimmed off. Old English sheepdogs, well, here we are. Opie is here in the studio with us, trimmed off. Looking cool, looking good, man. Mm. But how long would that take to, to get, say, Opie down an old English <sighs> sheepdog, you know, to just a couple of centimetres of hair yeah I guess when I start trimming him and I do I I like to trim him especially in summer because he goes to the beach with me Hmm. Uh, I like to keep it real short makes it easier to just rinse him off after the beach and not have to delve through the hair takes me probably a good hour and a half to get all the hair (laughs) trimmed off takes a professional groomer a lot less than that yeah yeah. but yeah keep um, the hairiest dog in the world for me the Samway (laughs) 
as we all know, pets make the world a better place. I can hear a lot of pets in the background. Yeah, there, there's some of mine. And the team at Advance want to make the world a better place for pets by expert pet nutrition. We all know that one size does not fit all. And so the Advance people understand the unique needs of Australian pets. They have nutritionally complete and balanced formulas offering pet parents a super reliable and consistent meal of guaranteed quality and performance for your pets. Well, they've stopped barking now, so they're probably having having a bit of a chow down as we speak. Okay, now on to one of our most popular little segments, and that's Dr. Rob's Pop 5. And this week, it's the top five easiest to train dog breeds. Now, this was an easy one for me, but I've got to tell you what, we've got to have the hardest to train breeds later well, on. Well, we, eh? we probably will, and yeah. So coming in number five, and I've only gone for five breeds, I've been Good on you. Restrained. Showing some discipline, finally. Yeah. Okay, coming in at number five is... For me, the miniature schnauzer. You know, it's can be a real tough dog to train if you haven't got a good relationship for it, but form a great relationship. They are intelligent and they want to respond to you all the time. Okay, coming in at number four. I don't think that's... They're not well trained, those ones. Are those they? ones no. outside. They're your so dogs, It's dinner time. They are. It's dinner time. It's, a, it, it's an advanced time for them. <laughs> the Burmese mountain dog. Yep, number four. Easiest great to train, little, really. It's a farm dog that will... Uh, loves family, loves to be with its family, but they also protect. You know, if uh, anyone's out there, they're natural protectors of, of the house. But training-wise, wow, you should see them in the obedience trials. Away they go. Coming in at number three, then, is... The Golden Retriever. They love to just be with you and do anything for you. Whatever you want. Yes, Dad, I'm here. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. At number two... The Labrador, very easy to train, of course. That's why they're used as guide dogs and reliable dogs, aren't they? The Labrador, great, easy dogs to train, lovely with children. So in your view, then, the number one easiest to train dog breed in the world is? Well, one that we've made our own. It started in Scotland, on the borders there of Scotland, and came to Australia, and we have the best ones in the world, Stephen, the Border Collie. Really, Great I didn't dogs. know they're easy to train. Oh aren't man, they? they're so bright, so intelligent. Lots of people will tell you they are just wow. They do what exactly what you want. Yeah, they'll hang around with you, take it easy, come inside, drop. Yep, stay there, fine. Yep, whatever you want, Dad. That's them. Border collie, always there. Easiest dog to train. Okay, thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Doggy Pod. Please uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember that uh, every episode you may have missed, and there's some absolute corkers going back to our first season that are currently sitting on your podcast platform of choice. So you can hear one of our dogs having a bit of a whimper in the background because they're thinking, gee, it must be time to go outside and play in the park. Well, it will be soon, guys, so just hang on. Um, And anyway, we'll see you uh, again next week. And as always, Rob has some words. We'll see you all next week. And don't forget, the dog desires affection more than its dinner. Well, almost.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 